Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Well, good morning, dear family. How are you? It's good to be with you. I tell you, I feel like I've been gone two years. Um, I really had a whopping case of the old-fashioned flu. Not COVID, but just the flu. I was in bed just about all week. It was a really rough case. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm doing terrifically. I'm so sorry that we had to play encores an entire week. I've gotten emails and calls that I've not been able to respond to, but I'm doing fine. And I bless the Station of the Cross and LifeSite for being able to run some encores um, of past programs. And we're back now. We're doing well and we're going to stay with you. Um, so God bless you and a blessed, blessed, blessed Advent. I, I pray your Advent, we're in the second week now of Advent, um, and I pray your Advent has begun well and will continue well. And if it has not begun well, there's never, uh, it's never too late to begin. Never, ever, 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 ever too late to begin. Tomorrow is the feast. It's a holy day of obligation um, of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, and um, that has to do with Our Lady's conception in um, Blessed Anne's womb, that she was freed from sin at the very moment of her conception. Um, she was born without original sin because it was a singular grace God did for her that he did for none other um, to be conceived without original sin. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow, uh, beloved. But I thought maybe for Advent, some people are confused what they should be doing for Advent, uh, what they shouldn't be doing for Advent. And um, I went to a very trustworthy favorite uh, friend, Jimmy Aiken, <clears throat> one of the top apologists in the country. And um, he writes about 10 things that we need to know about Advent um, and this is a few years ago he wrote this, but it's certainly applicable today. It has not changed. He said most of us have an intuitive understanding of Advent based on experience, but what do the church's official documents actually say about Advent? <clears throat> he said here are the, some of the basic questions and official answers about Advent. And he says, some of the answers are surprising. Here we go. He said, number one, what is the purpose of Advent? And he says, Advent is a season on the church's liturgical calendar. Specifically, it is a season on the calendar of the Latin church, which we're all a part of, um, which is the largest church in common with the Pope. There are 23 rites, R-I-T-E-S, in the Latin church, and um, uh, in the church, rather. Um, and the uh, Latin rite is one of them. 23 rites, liturgical rites, that are in union with the Holy Father, uh, with the Pope, and the Latin uh, rite, which we are in, 
is one of them. Uh, whether or not we go to a Latin church or a Novus Ordo, it is the Latin rite that is one of those rites. And, um, and we are in the Latin church, although uh, you might be listening and be in the Orthodox church or not even be in the Catholic church. So, um, but the Catholic church, the Latin rite is the largest. And he says other Catholic churches, as well as many non-Catholic churches, have their own celebration of Advent. Of course, as an evangelical Protestant for um, 18 years, I, we never celebrated Advent or acknowledged it or hardly knew what it was. Jimmy says, according to the general norms for the liturgical year and the calendar, Advent has a twofold character as a season to prepare for Christmas when Christ's first coming to us is remembered. And secondly, as a season when that remembrance directs the mind and heart to await Christ's second coming at the end of time. So it points back to his first coming and looks forward to his second coming. Advent, Advent, he says, is thus, hold on one moment here, is thus a period for devout and joyful expectation. And he quotes all the norm in the general instruction for the Roman Missal. And I won't quote those, but these are quoted from there. Jimmy says, Jimmy Aiken says, <clears throat> we tend to think of Advent only as the season in which we prepare, prepare for Christmas or the first coming of Christ. But as the general norms point out, it is important that we also remember it as a celebration in which we look forward to the second coming of Christ. Properly speaking, Advent is a season that brings to mind the two comings of Christ. And then he says, what liturgical colors are used in Advent? I think that's easy for those of us who have gone to church the last two Sundays. Particular days and certain types of celebrations can have their own colors, such as red for martyrs, black, or white at funerals. But the normal color for Advent is violet. The general instruction of the Roman Missal provides that the color violet or purple is used in Advent and Lent. It may also be worn in offices and masses for the dead. In many places, there is a notable exception for the third Sunday of Advent, that's coming up next Sunday, known as Gaudaute Sunday. The color rose may be used where it is the practice on Gaudaute Sunday, the third Sunday of, Le- of Advent, rather, and on Latare Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent. So the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudaute, and Latare Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, rose may be used. Number three, is Advent a penitential season? Jimmy says, we often think of Advent as a penitential season because the liturgical color for Advent is violet, like the color of Lent, which is a penitential season. However, in reality, Advent is not a penitential season. Surprise, he says, according to the Code of Canon Law, as Canon 1250, the penitential days and times in the Universal Church are every Friday of the whole year, and the season of Lent. Although local authorities can establish additional penitential days, 
This is a complete listing of the penitential days and times of the Latin church as a whole, and Advent is not one of them. I'm going to add to Jimmy's comments that while it is not officially a season of penance, um, I think um, doing penance for Advent is a laudable thing, an admirable thing. I think of our Lord on Mount Sinai, who has uh, not yet given the Ten Commandments to his people through Moses, but he told them he was going to appear on Mount Sinai. And he told them to, in expectation of his appearance, they wouldn't even see him. He would just be on the mountain. All they'd hear is the thunder of his voice. And they were to prepare by bathing, by repenting, staying away from sin, by even refraining from marital embrace because they were going to be in the presence of the holy. And I personally think that Advent uh, should be a time of joyful expectation but also an acknowledgement of why he came. He came to die. He came to die because of our sin, because of our rebellion. And I think it'd be very good for the whole season of Advent for us to spend it in a penitential way. We spend it here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Um, we don't have flowers. We, we, uh, have, we've, we're down to one meal a day which is fasting, but we're still eating a good meal a day um, and uh, doing all the readings through the Old Testament that pointed to him. It's a very good way to spend Advent, and we don't even write or send Christmas cards until Christmas Day and Christmas week. Four, when does Advent begin and end? According to the general norms, Advent begins with evening prayer one of the Sunday falling on or closest to November 30th and ends before evening prayer one of Christmas. The Sunday on or closest to November 30th can range between November 27th and December 3rd, depending on the year. In the case, this year it was November 29th, in the case of a Sunday, evening prayer one is said on the evening of the preceding day, which would be Saturday, according to the general instruction in the liturgy of the hours, which says evening prayer celebrated immediately before mass is joined to it in the same way as morning prayer. Evening prayer one of solemnities, Sundays or feasts of the Lord falling on Sundays may not be celebrated until after mass of the preceding day or Saturday. That may be a little confusing. Let me continue right after the break, beloved. We will take your calls and your emails right after the second break. We'll have a whole half hour together. And in advance, I'll give you the phone number toll free, one 511 5483 or you may email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. The Terry and Jesse Show. This is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show. Each weekday, we're talking about the things that matter to Catholics. Spiritual warfare, Marian devotion, tradition, and staying strong in your faith in this culture of death. I hope you'll join us. Weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Station of the Cross radio network and heard around the world on the iCatholic radio mobile app. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family to Mother Miriam Live. We're going to take your calls in just 15 minutes, and we'll have the whole half hour together, and your emails as well. And we are reading now um, a um, an entry from Jimmy Aiken, uh, 10 Things We Should Know During the Advent Season. Um, Jimmy concludes a section we were just reading uh, on when does Advent begin and end. <clears throat> he says, Advent... Um, begins on the evening of a Saturday, falling between November 26th and December 2nd inclusive, and it ends on the evening of December 24th, which holds evening prayer one of Christmas, um, which is, of course, December 25th. Number five, what is the role of Sundays in Advent? There are four Sundays in Advent, and the general norms state the Sundays of this season are named the first, second, third, and fourth Sundays of Advent. We have already mentioned that the third Sunday of Advent has a special name, Gaudaute Sunday. Gaudaute is the Latin word for rejoice, which is the first word of the introit of the Mass for this day. The Church ascribes particularly particular importance to these Sundays, and they take precedence over other liturgical celebrations. Thus, the general norms state 
Because of its special importance, the Sunday celebration gives way only to solemnities or feasts of the Lord. The Sundays of the seasons of Advent, Lent, and Easter, however, take precedence over all solemnities and feasts of the Lord. Solemnities occurring on these Sundays are observed on the Saturdays preceding. Now, these are all instructions for the Novus Ordo, beloved, not for the Latin Mass. You also cannot celebrate funeral Masses on the Sundays of Advent. Among the Masses for the dead, the funeral Mass holds first place. It may be celebrated on any day except for solemnities that are holy days of obligation. Thursday of Holy Week, the Paschal Triduum, and the Sundays of Advent, Lent, and Easter with due regard also for all the other requirements of the norm of the law. Now, if you didn't get all this, just look up Jimmy Aiken and type in Advent and you'll get it. What happens on weekdays? Number six, what happens on weekdays in Advent? It is especially recommended that homilies be given on the weekdays of Advent. The general instruction of the Roman Missal states, on Sundays and holy days of obligation, there is to be a homily at every Mass that is celebrated with the people attending, and it may not be omitted without a grave reason. On other days, it is recommended, especially on the weekdays of Lent, of Advent and Easter time, as well as on other festive days and occasions when the people come to church in greater numbers. In general norms also, the general norms also point out a special role for the weekdays of the week preceding Christmas. The weekdays from the 17th of December to the 24th of December inclusive serve to prepare more directly for the Lord's birth. Um, This special role is illustrated, for example, by the scripture readings used in the liturgy on these days. These days uh, are known as the the days of the O Antiphons, because each Sunday represents a verse in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Day Spring from Afar. O Come, um, the Seed of Jesse Come. It is it the entire song O Come Emmanuel is is uh, presented during those O antiphons uh, right through the song O Come O Come Emmanuel and said during the mass. Seven. How our church is decorated during Advent. The general instruction of the Roman Missal notes. that during Advent, the floral decoration of the altar should be marked by a moderation suited to the character of this time of year, without expressing in anticipation the full joy of the nativity of the Lord. During Lent, it is forbidden for the altar, during Lent, it is forbidden for the altar to be decorated with flowers. Exceptions, however, are Latare Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday of Lent, Solemnities and Feasts. How is the music performed during Lent? Again, the general instruction of the Roman Missal notes in Advent, the use of the organ and other musical instruments should be marked by a moderation suited to the character of this time of year without expressing in anticipation 
the full joy of the nativity of the Lord. Jimmy says, in Lent, the playing of the organ and musical instruments is allowed only in order to support the singing. Exceptions, however, are Latare Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and solemnities and feasts. Is the Gloria said or sung during Advent? It is neither said nor sung. Um, The general instruction of the Roman Missal says that the Gloria, or glory to God in the highest, is sung or said on Sundays outside of Lent and outside of Advent, and also on solemnities and feasts, and at particular celebrations of a more solemn character. Why is the Gloria not said? Because that is the angel's song for the coming of Messiah. And he is not, we are yet waiting for him during Advent. So the Gloria is not said and not sung. Um, Finally, uh, Jimmy asks, what private devotions can we use to grow closer to God during Advent? He says there are a variety of private devotions that the church has recognized for use during Advent. The most famous is the Advent wreath. And you can read um, all about these devotions uh, in the Directory on Popular Piety and the Liturgy. The Directory on Popular Piety and the Liturgy, starting uh, at number 96. Um, So mostly the Advent wreath, and we have an Advent wreath here, and we've printed out prayers, scriptures that are to be read each Sunday of Advent, uh, while the candles are being lit. It's a glorious celebration, and I would direct all of you to um, uh, the magnificent writing. I read it a couple of weeks ago by Michael Matt on Waiting for the Christ Child, what they did during Lent. One custom I remember they did is to put a manger out completely empty, and each time the children did a good deed, they would take a piece of straw and put it in the manger, hoping that they did enough good deeds for it to be a bed of straw by the arrival of the Christ child. That's just one thing. You should read it. And in fact, it's been so loved and so popular that we reprinted it this year in our Christmas newsletter, which is about to go in the mail this week. And so um, we have a couple of gifts in there for you as well. I've mentioned that before, but now it's a lot closer to the time. Uh, Everything is ready to be put together and mailed. And so you should have it, um, if you're on our mailing list, you should have it next week. Um, and if you're not on our mailing list and you wish to be, there's no charge. All you need to do is go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and just click on newsletters, and right up top, there's a place for you to sign up. You can get it strictly by email or email and regular mail, both, or, or just regular mail, whatever you wish. If you get the regular mail, you'll get the gifts that we include just about with every newsletter. If you get the email, you will not receive those through email, but you can always call and ask us for them. So um, we have a few minutes left to the break, and I think, beloved, since I've been gone an entire week, 
I'm going to try to catch up on some emails, even starting now before the break. We have an email from Scott, and Scott says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I am an evangelical Protestant who is well on the road to converting to Catholicism. Blessed be God, dear Scott. Blessed be God. Although in the past, he says, I've attended Novus Ordo, as of late I've been attending the traditional Latin Mass. Although I do not understand Latin, I try to follow along as best as possible in the little red book. Unfortunately, I find myself getting a little frustrated when I don't exactly know what part of the Mass we are in. The Latin Mass is beautiful. My spirit within feels a certain peace despite my frustrations at following. Some questions I have for you, if I may. What exactly should I be doing during the Latin Mass? That is, should I be trying to desperately find my place in the Little Red Book and attempt to follow along? Should I read and pray the Mass prior to attending and just not even try to follow along during Mass? What should be going through my mind during the Latin Mass while it is being offered? I feel a little guilty because I think I should be doing something other than wondering what page I need to be on. Ha ha, he writes. Additionally, should I be considering attending Novus Ordo once again? And he says, thank you for your lovely ministry, Mother. I only came across you recently on YouTube and have been hooked. I look forward to hearing your wisdom and insights daily. God bless you, Scott. Pardon me. See, I've been away from you a whole week and I'm still yawning. Scott, thank you. And I bless God for your journey home to the fullness of Christianity, the full measure um, of the faith God gave to Abraham. Um, what I did when I started attending the Latin Mass, since I don't know Latin, uh, speak Latin either, and I was confused, um, I, I got one of those little red books, but I didn't even pay attention to it. I just sat back and listened and absorbed the beauty of the Mass and didn't try to find out what was being said, not initially, or what part we were at. Um, I did begin that, but I just wanted to take it in. And as I did that and sat back and didn't read and didn't try to follow anything, I began to understand it because it is the Mass. And the Novus Ordo, um, in its order, uh, follows about the same way. The rubrics are different, but the order of the Mass is, is fairly much the same. So I just sat back, I began to recognize what was happening from the Novus Ordo, and I began to simply be absorbed in it. Um, I don't think you should be frantic looking for where we are in the Mass each Sunday. Um, I do have a suggestion for you. If you could get a hold, Scott, of a 1962 Roman Missal, that will have, it'll contain everything the Red Book has right in the middle of the Missal in red ink, but it also give you all the readings, and I think that would help you greatly. You'll know what Sunday it is, you'll know what the uh, the, read, the scripture readings are, and I think it'll help you tremendously. But I would just say relax, don't worry about following it, just take in the beauty 
of um, what God has given us and then see if you can ask a friend to help you get a, a, a Roman Missal. God bless you, dear one. We'll be right back after the break. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. In the New Testament's first letter of St. John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we read, And we have this confidence in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in regard to whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked Him for is ours. It's incredible to realize how much God loves us, what He has promised us, and what He'll give us through our trust in Him. Have you prayed for the Station of the Cross today? We would be grateful if you would remember us each day in your prayers, whether it's the Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Most Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, or any other prayers you pray throughout the day. Please also pray for the intentions of your fellow Catholic radio listeners. It's so important for us to remember to keep one another in prayer. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we will be taking, uh, happy to take, we look forward to taking your calls and your emails this entire half hour. Our toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at Um We have an email from Jennifer who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, what is a good study guide or book to learn about and practice the Advent season? I am an adult convert to the faith and would love a book that takes me through the importance of Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany seasons. Thank you so much for your willingness to nurture souls by speaking truth in grace and your humility to do God's work. May God keep you well and strong as his servant for truth. How beautiful, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to ask all of you to, uh, I would be grateful for those who might pray for uh, my health. I'm doing great now, but it seems I'm awfully susceptible to a number of things, so I'm doing great now. Uh, Jennifer, 
um, I don't know a better source than uh, the, the Liturgical Year by Dom Prosper Garanger. It will follow the Latin Mass versus the Novus Ordo because he lived in the 1800s. There was no Nov- Novus Ordo Mass. And with the Novus Ordo, um, saint days have changed. Um, and so many practices have just been uh, eliminated and gone by the wayside. But I find it exceptionally beautiful. Um, let me just see if I can click on a site here. Uh, we have the entire, it's a 15-volume set, uh, liturgical year. But it is also um, it is also online. Hold on just a moment. There's many websites that have it. I'm looking at one here. Let's see if they'll, that'll do it. Um, I tell you what, if you... Uh, right. Okay, hold on now. I'm just looking at the volumes. Um, I'm looking for one that says Advent. Here it is. Let me just see if it's online. You can look up, um... Yes, you can do that. There's a site that is The Liturgical Year by Dom Garanger, G-U-E-R-A-N-G-E-R, Garanger, it's French, Dom, D-O-M, Garanger, The Liturgical Year, 15 volumes. I highly recommend it. It is an utterly magnificent work. I believe he's being proposed for canonization now. Um, he restored Gregorian chant to France. He um, is, was the abbot of uh, Salem, St. Peter's Abbey in Salem. Absolutely magnificent. And I, you can look up the, the liturgical year by Dom Garaget online and get it. But I just uh, see here that census fidelium, census, S-E-N-S-U-S, fidelium, F-I-D for David, E-L-I-U-M, dot us has uploaded the entire book so i just uh, clicked on uh, advent and it gives you the history of advent the mystery the practice during advent morning and night prayers on hearing mass on holy communion during advent on the office of vespers on the office of compline that's the night prayer during advent and um then he goes into uh, uh, the pr- uh, proper of the time by the masses, the first said, the second Sunday, the mass, vespers. He has every single thing in that book. If you'd like a serious, serious study on on the whole liturgical year, the best I know is the liturgical year by Dom Prosper Garanger, and it is online, 15 volumes. Uh, it's expensive, but I think it's a lifetime purchase and very much worth it. And it may be during this time, many of the sites have it on sale. Amazon might have it. Uh, others might have it on sale. Um, the second uh, uh, series of books I would refer you to would be um, A Year of Grace by... Um, uh, his last name is Parsh, I think, P-A-R-S-C-H, uh, Dr. Parsh, I forget his first name, P-A-R-S-C-H, 
uh, a, a year of grace or the year of grace. It's outstanding, simpler than Dom Garager and also out of print. But if you look up out of print sources, um, uh, Abe's books and uh, um, Loom's theological booksellers and others, you'll be able to get it. Okay, I hope that helps you somewhat. Um, even if you just stay online and look up the seasons as you wish them, you will greatly proffer, profit from uh, Dom Geringer's liturgical year. Just type it in, the liturgical year by Dom Geringer, and just put in Advent, and it'll bring it up for you on many websites. Okay. <clears throat> God bless you, Jennifer. Hold on just a moment, please. I'm going to just take a... Chaim, hold on. We have an email from Tara. She says, my name is Tara, and I have seven lovely children and four are daughters. I struggle with setting modesty standards for my girls. There is very little agreement amongst even traditional Catholics about modesty. I've heard everything from women should only wear long dresses with their elbows covered to shorts are fine if long enough. What are some good guidelines to teach my daughters, some of whom feel very drawn to the fashions of of today? Thank you, Mother Miriam, and God bless you, Tara. Hold on, Tara. I think I have something here for you. Okay, I've got it. First time my bookcase has been close enough. This is a handbook. It's called Modeling Modeling, uh, Modesty. Let me see if I can get that up here. Modeling Modesty Handbook. It is, um, it's 30 pages. It is written, produced by the Rosa Mystica Modesty Movement, Ms. Claire Halber, H-A-L-B-U-R. Um, I'm going to give you, uh, I've looked up the websites, I've looked up the names, I've looked up everything, I've tried the phone number, it's published in 2010, and I've never been able to contact these people or find it. I've had people write me about it, they've looked all over the place. So Claire Halber, uh, the founder of Rosa Mystica Modesty Movement, if you are able to hear this program, or if any of you uh, can try to get a hold of Claire, we'd like to purchase a number of these books, and so would many, many people. Modeling Modesty is absolutely magnificent. And the table of contents, what is it all about? Um, talk about what Christian men's, what good men want. Um, a peek at Modesty Survey, it actually gives you styles to look at and designs um, of what they're talking about uh, and what men really think, uh, what good men want. Um, But I also know there are many quotes from popes, and they are magnificent. Um, Okay, let me just read a couple here. From Pope Benedict the Fifteenth, 
One cannot sufficiently deplore the blindness of so many women of every age and station. Made foolish by a desire to please, they do not see to what degree degree the indecency of their clothing shocks every honest man and offends God. Most of them would formerly have blushed for such apparel as for a grave fault against Christian modesty. Now it does not suffice to exhibit themselves on public thoroughfares. They do not fear to cross the threshold of churches, to attend the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and even to bear the seducing food of shameful passions to the holy altar." where one receives the heavenly author of purity. And there's several quotes from from the popes. This is an excellent book. I have, hold on a moment. I took a quick look. I think I have 10 of them left because I've given them all away and I don't even know what the cost of it is. I did buy it I think from Refuge of Sinners years back. You could look up Refuge for Sinners um, Joyful Catholic they're all one company now and Mother of Our Savior you could look them up um, uh, three book outfits that combined into one. I'm fairly sure I got it from them. You can call them and ask them about this book calling um, Modeling Modesty Handbook, um, written by Claire Halber. Um, you can also uh, send me an email, um, go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, click on contact, and you're welcome to send me an email. Um, if, uh, you know, I have 10, I'm willing to give nine of them away so I can keep one. So you're welcome to have everything I have left except one. And if anyone finds a source for those, uh, I would so much appreciate your letting me know. Hold on now. Okay. God bless you. So what are the guidelines to teach your daughters? That was the question. And I got lost in this book. Um, You know, God has given us a conscience. And when you raise your children in modest clothing from the time they're little girls, um, skirts that are not above the, they don't have to be to the ankles, but they should not be above the knees. Um, Dresses that at least go down to the elbows. Um, One of the guidelines I remember is to wear nothing lower than two inches from the neck so that women are not exposed. Uh, nothing tight, nothing, you shouldn't see the whole outline of your body, nothing um, uh, sheer, uh, basically that would be it. Um, uh, thongs are not appropriate for women, uh, sandals without stockings are not appropriate. Um, I think that would be about it. But there are many, many beautiful fashions that you could wear, at least that have sleeves, to at least to the elbows and um, uh, skirts below the knees. I think they should be mid-calf, but at least if they're below the knees, when you're seated, that's the, that's the thing. If they're below your knees when you're seated, then they will be fine when you're standing. Um, and nothing sleeveless, nothing low-cut. Those are the standards. Now, I know for many of you, you'd have to throw out much of your wardrobe, um, but it's a question of uh, modesty and if you want to change your life 
and begin to please God. What if you've never worn skirts and you always wear pants? I would say start buying skirts that are loose and that are becoming to you. Um, You know, we wear full habits to the floor and they're big and they're full and we do everything in them. We ride bikes, we go skiing, we play ball, we do everything in these habits. That's the way women used to dress. Um, it's, it's, it's not a problem. It's a question of wanting to please God rather than to please men. That's our break, beloved. Our music for our break. We'll be right back with our final break. And you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, dear ones. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live, to let you know that there is a magnificent array of programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, such as Stand Out for Life with Jim Havens and Father Imbarato. They pray for and discuss the pro-life movement each Saturday morning live at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can also listen to Stand Out for Life anytime as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. At the Station of the Cross, we understand that life circumstances can affect your giving options, whether by moving or by switching banks and credit card numbers. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Excuse me. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last section 
uh, session, and we have about a good 10 minutes, and you're still welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open with anything at all on your heart. Uh, toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. 511 5483 Excuse me. We have an email. It's just a little... Results of the flu I had last week, um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm doing terrific. Um, and we have an email from Angelica, uh, or other, rather Angela, who writes, "Dear Mother Miriam, you are truly a breath of fresh air within Holy Mother Church." Oh, God bless you, Angela. Not everybody thinks that. I'm so pleased um, uh, to uh, know we are a like-minded spirit. Angela says, please forgive the length of this email as I ask for your guidance. For several years, I've been volunteering for monastic nuns, missionary priests, and an order of brothers. Over the years, a few have become dear friends. In the months leading up to the 2016 election, I began to suspect they were all opposed to candidate Donald Trump. When I commented on the Clinton campaign's promotion of abortion rights, I learned they were all fully supportive of Hillary Clinton, having also voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012. Although monastic, the nuns wear lay clothing. Oh, my goodness. The nuns wear lay clothing, watch secular entertainment TV, and visit with family and friends off-grounds. I tell you what... In my mind, they've lost their vocation. I don't know who they are. People say, Mother Miriam, what's your problem? Who are you to judge? They've lost their vocation. They don't sit around watching secular TV and uh, abandon their their uh, 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 their their religious clothing and visit with family and friends off grounds. They believe abortion should never be a crime, given. Um, the rationale that no one should judge a woman's circumstance. I tell you something, Angela, they've not only lost their vocation, they've lost their faith and they're not Catholic. However they live, whatever they do, whatever they think, whatever they call themselves, they're no longer Catholic. Sadly, I know this angers a lot of people. You cannot be Catholic and think that a woman has a right to murder the child within her. That is not Catholic teaching. It never has been. It never will be. And if you want to believe that, then you have to at least be honest and say that you're no longer Catholic. Because if you vote for such people who um, believe those things, you are excommunicating yourself from the church and you are no longer Catholic. Angela continues, they believe abortion should never be a crime. We said that already. Sadly, the nuns, priests, and brothers have accepted redefining pro-life to encompass reverence for Mother Earth. That's not pro-life. These are, these are cults now. They're not Catholic, and they're not monastic uh, Catholic orders. Um, climate change, global warming, they've embraced all of it. Environmental sustainability, illegal border crossing, sanctuary for illegals with taxpayer-funded benefits, deference to NATO and WHO, uh, membership uh, in the Paris, and she goes on, women deacons, celebration of the gay lives, all of that. This is the reimagined meaning of pro-life in the liberal Catholic Church. I tell you what, there's no such thing as liberal Catholic Church. There's no such thing. You're Catholic or you're not. 
you are Catholic, which means you believe the teachings of the church, or you are Protestant. Whatever you call yourself, it doesn't matter. You can call yourself a liberal Catholic if you want, but you are a Protestant. You are no longer Catholic. The literature authored within the ranks of the church and passed on to enlighten me... um, Hold on again. Um, This is from Angela. Let me just reread that. The literature authored within the ranks of the church, within the ranks of the church, and passed on to enlighten me, that's Angela, is nothing short of astonishing. In spite of this, I continue to work for them, love them, and pray for them. When appropriate, I give my opinion respectfully. Most often I remain a quiet witness to a different interpretation of the sanctity of life. I'm going to continue reading your email, Angela, but don't use the expression different interpretation. It's not for us to interpret. It's the church's teaching. It's not, uh, it's not the church's interpretation. It is God's teaching through the church. <clears throat> Angela says, so mother, is this what it means to be in the world and not of the world? Or does volunteering for these orders equate to aiding and abetting sin? It does. It does. It does. That's not what it means to be in the world and not of the world. Because you are in the world serving people who are of the world. Um, Or does volunteering for these orders equate to aiding and abetting sin? It certainly does. You're approving of them as far as they're concerned. Even if you've had a few conversations, it doesn't matter. They still want you to see their side of it. Angela says, my experience with the nuns has led me to seriously question if there are other monastic cloister communities, male or female, of the same mindset. I can tell you that there are. Shamefully and horribly, there are. Angela says, thank you so much for your faithfulness to the truth and all you do to honor Jesus and Mary. Know you are cherished, Angela. Thank you very much, Angela. My um, counsel to you would be to make it very clear to those monastic orders, uh, communities, that you can no longer serve them because they no longer hold Catholic beliefs, no matter what they say. They no longer hold the beliefs of the faith once delivered to the saints, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Um, And uh, they're no longer Catholic, and you can no longer serve them. They may disagree with that, but you uh, say to them, show me where what you believe is Catholic truth, not written by some modern heretic, but is truly Catholic truth. Um, It's not. And they won't be able to show that to you. You you have to leave them, Angela. Um, You must not continue to serve them in that way because as far as they're concerned, you are supporting them and you're making their sinful life quite easy. Um, So absolutely, they shouldn't even exist. They should not even exist. It's a disgrace to the faith and to anybody who sees them. We have an email from Bernadette who writes, Hello, Mother. I was listening to one of your programs recently where you mentioned you counseled people in jail and in prison who were severely suicidal. That's right. I recently graduated from a master's program in mental health nursing, but did not really know how to help people who suffer from this. I was wondering if you could give me advice on how to. Thank you very much. Yours in Christ. Bernadette. Oh, Bernadette. Um... 
We have less than a minute to the program. I don't know how to begin to do that with you over the air. Um, The first thing you need to do in counseling anyone in distress is to come alongside them and make them know that they're heard and that they're believed and that they have reason to feel as they do, but that there are better outcomes. Um, So psychologically, that would be, you know, make sure they know that you're with them and, um, and you understand and you can have, or you try to, and, and you can help them toward a better outcome. And then there are books to help, uh, Catholic psychology books, uh, many, but it, it really depends upon each individual, Bernadette, and the desperation of the circumstances. Um, uh, so uh, some people you're going to have to come alongside and stay with them for quite a while. Um, we will see you all tomorrow, beloved. Live for God. Tomorrow is a holy day of obligation, the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother. Make sure you go to Mass, beloved. God bless you.